Hello, this is Nathan Ray, and this is my friend, Jamie Newman, who's been on the show before. We don't need any more introductions other than saying, hi, how are you doing? Yeah, and thanks for having me. How's God been working in your life lately, I guess, since we last chatted? Well, I've been turning up the heat in terms of evangelism and outreach and just trying to live life on purpose instead of just like going through the motions like people do. I try to live my life on purpose. You know, I'm not after dead works, but I'm after Jesus getting his reward for our suffering. And, you know, I've been a Christian almost 30 years now. And God has gifted me as an evangelist and the Holy Spirit is on my life. And the way I see it, if I don't do everything I can, like not me, who, (laughs) you know, he's given me everything that I should be able to expect to have from a God who has not only withheld his own son, but has given me all resources needed to accomplish his will in my life. And so I'm actively pursuing that. And come Lord Jesus, I've been getting a lot of visions, a lot of dreams. He's been very active communicating with me over the last year, seen a lot of fruit. God is moving. Even despite the darkness, he's he's moving, moving powerfully. Would you be able to give any specific examples of say dreams, visions, maybe even prophecies and miracles? Yeah. Most recently, you know, I have some money, not, you know, I'm not filthy rich, but I have some money. And when people ask me to donate to things, there's no shortage of things that you could give money to. And so when people ask me for money, a lot of times I'll say, well, I'm going to have to talk to God about that. And if God speaks to me, I'll do whatever he says to do. But more often than not, I just process in my spirit how much I value what it is people are asking me to do. And I make that decision on my own. I very rarely get anything from him on that. But several days ago, I had a a very strange and disturbing vision. I saw two adult elephants attacking a baby elephant and literally pulling him apart and took his head off. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is a political dream for the Republican Party. They're like infighting or something of that nature. So I prayed to that end and just prayed against that type of infighting and whatnot. And two days later, one of the guys that has been asking me for support called me and said, hey, we he's in Africa. He says, we really need some help. We have people that are have no food and no water. And he runs an orphanage and he sent these kids out to go find water because they were so thirsty. And they came back and everything was fine. The next day they woke up and someone had taken the kids' heads off. They'd been decapitated. So like this is um, a place that I'm called to for ministry in Africa. And I believe that God is giving me insight as to some of the things that are going on there. I don't know all the details, but when I was a little child, I had terrible dreams of deities like pursuing me and I believe that they came out of this area that I'll be doing ministry and somewhat recent, you know, it's going to happen soon. And so that's the most recent example of something, but there's been like two or three, as many as five or six visions a night over the course of the last year or so. Well, I'll give you another really cool example. This was last year. I was doing CFAN, Christ for All Nations Evangelism Training, a year ago, and I 
was hearing the Holy Spirit was actually talking to me and I've never had him talk to me in quite in this way before. And it sounded somewhat familiar what he was saying to me, but I couldn't really put my finger on it. And I noticed that I was kind of like being lazy because I was I was in Florida, three time zones away from where I normally am. And I was hearing these beautiful words, but I couldn't like capture those words. And I remember I was about to get ready to write them down. And I realized that I was so lazy that I couldn't retain what I was being told that I repented. I actually told him I repent for not holding on to that, which is like super important. And would you please tell me again? And he said, Colossians 3. And so I opened up my Bible and started reading Colossians 3 and realized that the Holy Spirit was actually reading the Bible to me in that vision. And it was so powerful for me to get a follow-up question. And so often God like shares these things with me and I can ask all the questions I want till I'm blue in the face. And I don't really see, you know, an answer to those questions, but it's most of the time it's like sovereign stuff. But I started having a conversational relationship with God and it's quite a breakthrough for me. But those are a couple of examples of the fun that I get to have with him. What's the content of Colossians 3, just as a quick reminder? Spiritual life. It's all about spiritual life. All all of Colossians is about spiritual life. Okay. Going back to your vision of the elephants, do you still think that was meant to be a political vision or was that just your vision? No, I think it had something to do with, I think it has more to do with confirmation that God wanted me to get involved with this guy and, and help in any way I could because it shook me. I'm still shaken by it. I can still see it. One of the things about having visions from God versus just like having your imagination go wild is that I can remember these things when I was five years old. I can remember them when I was 30 years old. I can remember them from three weeks ago. But, you know, the ones that operate in the soulless realm rather than the spirit, they can kind of like, they're not like, you can just discern the difference. They're like bright, sharp, and almost like they've been photoshopped. So vivid and dramatic. It's like watching a Zack Snyder movie. I don't know who Zack Snyder is, but it's like having an intense Photoshop edit over everything and like, (laughs) and the drama, you know, it's super dramatic in the spirit. There's no laziness. The flesh is lazy and wants to like chill and be like surfer guy. I used to think that like being super spiritual is just to like chill, but it's really not how things are in the spirit. It's very intense and dramatic and God is on purpose and the devil just never relents. He's a fighter and he's fighting all the time against us. And the good news is that greater is he that it's in us than he's that's in the world, right? Yeah, definitely. I think for myself, the way that God has been working my life as of late, uh, last month, I managed to accomplish a life goal of mine by making it to a hundred days without falling into the temptation of sex addiction. Thank you, Jesus. It's something I've been struggling with for the last 11 years of my life. Wow. It took six years of great proactive efforts to make it through. And the reason why I was able to make it through was because I had a support group with people from the Toronto area, which is like two time zones away from me. And that was a very good incentive for me to try and improve myself because normally I don't like the idea of pride and comparing oneself and thinking that one is better than other people. But it was a good motivator for, you know, wanting to be the best out of everyone in my group. But the problem was, is is that I, I kind of felt like I was the only person who was taking it seriously, which is good for me but it's not good for everyone else. It matters, man. 
yeah. dirty matters. I was addicted to pornography for 10 plus years or 20 plus years. And I got free from that a little bit less than two and a half years ago. And I can remember the day that I got free. You know, I, I knew that I was free when I got free. And <laughs> I'll tell you, here's a story for you. This might've been like six years ago. I was watching pornography on my laptop and my laptop spoke to me. Like the speaker spoke to me and said, the fornicator won't enter the kingdom of heaven. And I thought there was a virus on my computer. I didn't know what it was. I thought I'd been hacked. You weren't high on drugs at the time? <laughs> I don't think I was high on drugs at the time. I think that God was like having, you know, warning me like it's time to get free. I think for myself during that time of just going through withdrawal, the closest experience I had that was like that. I didn't have my laptop speak to me and say, hey, Nathan, get off the computer. You shouldn't be lusting after these images of women. But there was this night in particular, I think about a third of the way through my process, where I was looking at the porn and I was staying up late. I was on the verge of just full-on ejaculation. I was trying to hold off for as long as possible because I knew that I had to be accountable to my group and I didn't want to disappoint them and I didn't want to be on the same level as everyone else because I was the best and I needed to keep on being the best. And it just so happened, four in the morning, my roommate, Nahum, came downstairs for like an early morning, late night snack. And I happened to have my office here in my dining room. So he's literally in the kitchen. He's literally right in front of me. And I'm looking at him. I'm looking at my computer. And I'm just thinking to myself, oh, shoot, I can't do this by myself. I need some sort of accountability partner. And so that's when I just decided to shut everything down and go to him and say, hey, Nahum, I need some prayer. Can you please help me with that? And since then, I haven't gone back. But for other people in my group, they have gone back. And that's where the problem is. And so I've been trying to reach out to people. It hasn't been that consistent. And finally, I just, I went to the leader of the group and said, hey, we need to step up our game. Because I don't want to be the guy who makes it out in the end. I want this group to benefit as many people as possible. And for him... He was busy with other ministry stuff. And so he said, well, since you're so passionate about this, I'll just give you more of a leadership role. You can do this yourself. And as someone who in the past, I've been derided. And even when I've been in a position of leadership, I haven't really felt like I've been able to affect that much change. But like, this is the first time in my life where I feel the weight of responsibility. And I feel like this kind of thing is something that I'm passionate about. It's something that I feel that it's worth it. In, in some ways, it's fairly stressful because I have not just this, but I also have recording these podcasts and doing tutoring sessions every week and working a full-time job and trying to read some books on the side, trying to do some fun stuff on the side. I feel like I don't really give myself as much of a break as much as I need it, which in some ways that's not really mentally healthy, but at the same time, you know, it keeps my attention focused and I'm not thinking about going on the computer and looking at porn. Amen. That's great. Thank you, Jesus. 
Breakthrough. Thank you, God. I'll tell you, like, that was the first step for me. That was the first big breakthrough that I had. And after that, there was a lot of breakthrough that came. Like, it led to, like, fasting, a lifestyle of fasting. And I started, like, having visions and dreams after I started fasting. Even the first time that I went on a real fast, after three days of fasting on the fourth day, I, I had my first vision in probably 10 years, 20 years, 15 years. And it was powerful. Like, super powerful. I was excited. I didn't know there was a, a relationship between the two things, but apparently there's a relationship between those things. I think that like prayer brings communication up to God and fasting brings prayer down, you know, communication down. What's your definition of real fasting? Like completely abstaining from foods 24 hours a day? Well, I don't have any one definition for fasting. I mean, I've fasted for different reasons before, but this was the first time I've ever really fasted just as for a relationship with God, you know, trying to feed my spirit. You know, it's, this is the first time that I've lifestyle fasted in that way. And it was so good that I started doing it every week. I was fasting three days a week for, you know, a good amount of time. And man, the increase in the visions and dreams and even miracles and stuff. I started seeing a lot, the healing ministry that I was engaged in, like, I mean, maybe I just had more confidence because I was experiencing the presence of God more. So I was pursuing it more, but it seems to me like I had an increase in that healing anointing too, you know? It makes sense. Like you see in the Bible, prophets fasting all the time. You have Jesus, he fasted for 40 days, 40 nights, went through some crazy stuff. Yep. For myself, like the last time I tried fasting, was uh, back in 2019, right around the same time that I started working at uh, West Edmonton Mall World Water Park. And working at the water park, it's a very physical job. Yeah. Uh, You're climbing up and down stairs a lot. You're running a lot. You're doing a lot of swimming when you're training. And (laughs) interesting story, by the second day of work, I was so exhausted that I started puking up food that had been in my digestive system days before. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate to that. You know, I have a very physical job too, certain times a year. And it was really, really difficult, especially, you know, on the fourth or fifth day when I started going on extended ones, it was like, I was physically like (laughs) just done. Couldn't do my job, you know, so I'd break them off, you know. I've never had them tell me to go on a fast. I've got a lot of friends that the Lord has actually put them on fast before. I've never really felt that. I've never heard him tell me to do it. I just did it, you know, and he rewarded it with really cool visions and dreams. I really, there was a man, there was a season in my life where I was getting between five and seven powerful Holy Spirit dreams at night. And he was telling me wonderful things. It was a really cool season of my life. This was a couple of years ago. It was really, really a fun season. I would actually get excited to go to bed. Because I'd get to hear from God, you know? Yeah. But for me, like, now that I'm working another physical job as a postal clerk, something that was mentioned in the first meeting, the first official meeting that we had, was that it's probably going to be a good idea to do some fasting. And I'm still trying to figure out what that kind of fasting looks like, because I don't want to have to starve myself and then puke up my guts again. Maybe it's going to be a fast from the internet. Maybe it's going to be a fast from my computer because that's another thing that's 
consumed my life for that's real yeah pretty much my entire life like longer than porn like i think ever since i was four years old i've been on the computer and that's probably the next step of something that i need to break yeah we don't need to have idols in our lives the bible says stay away from idols yeah we need to like be free and if we don't become free then chaos comes next yeah yeah speaking of chaos how's your country doing man we're struggling you know our country's super divided the united states isn't super united right now we you know i live in a small city well i'm not it's in county really i don't even have, not even really in a city in oregon and portland is one of the most liberal cities in the country probably i mean if not in the top 10 and then if you get 10 minutes outside of that city it's like super conservative and i'm telling you that it's like being in two different countries the spirit of fear that's laying across portland and other cities like that is i mean it's so thick that you cut it with a knife it feels like and you'll see you can spot people really quickly that are coming out there you can just see and feel the fear on people people are rattled and the election has really brought a lot of this stuff up to the surface and it does every time every election that we have it like brings this stuff up to the surface and every election it gets worse and especially now with trump being a pretty conservative person who was willing to fight about different things and not cave in to you know certain things you know he didn't do a ton of negotiating and to be really fought for things he wanted to get done and it really made people mad that were on the left. I mean, really, really violently mad. And so we've had riots and, oh, my goodness, just, I mean, the media, you have a very difficult time finding any media outlet for people like President Trump, not just Trump, but anybody that wants to get a conservative message out. There's a real sharp battle lines are drawn very distinct battle lines are drawn between conservative and liberal and it seems like you have on one side anybody that has a college education or has learned how to be like liberal an institution you know and then on the other side you've got people that were like raised up maybe in church or has different cultural values uh, I guess the exception to that would be like the black church the African-Americans tend to align themselves with more liberal politicians so the church is even divided it not it isn't just that our country's divided but the church itself is divided and that's like a prayer request you guys should like pray for us man pray for us because we need united states to be strong the world needs a strong united states super important do you think it still has a chance of becoming strong again well yeah i mean if you go back in history you'll find different times that God moved his hand. So like the first great awakenings happened before the Revolutionary War. It was a mass revival and things got difficult and the war came and the revival was powerful enough to where it helped people endure that difficult time. Uh, and in the same way, the second great awakening with Charles Finney happened right before the Civil War, the Great Civil War. So both of our biggest wars were preceded by revivals both times. Those are the first and second great awakenings. And I believe that we're heading into a third great awakening now. I, I believe that. We're seeing the miracles uh, happen that would be associated with that. We're seeing the dreams and visions being poured out on people. 
and all of the things that you would expect to see before, you know, a major awakening happens, we're seeing those things. I believe it, that, that very thing. Okay. Um, I think what I've been reading up on uh, in terms of the news is there's this conflict between um, individualists and I guess people who are more or less state supporters. So you, on one hand, you have people who are very individually minded. They want to do everything themselves. They want to be essentially left alone. They want to be left to their own devices. And on the other side, you have people who want the government or big tech corporations to do everything for them to give the money, to handle public controversies. And I can understand some of that sentiment, uh, especially when it comes to your healthcare system, because quite frankly, it's kind of a mess. But in regards to things like, I don't know, Twitter deleting profiles of people who are deemed political extremists or the government poking its nose in the affairs of people and deciding who to help out based on whether or not you have the right racial background that can lead into some very messed up stuff, I think. And so I guess like, how do you go about reconciling those two slowly opposing views well, I'll tell you how I do. And this is something I've actually given some thought to even recently. I belong to the kingdom of God. Okay. The Bible says that I'm an alien and a stranger. All right. So I can give the world the wisdom that God has given us, you know, as his children, he gives us wisdom. You look at the way God set up his government on the earth. He set up pretty much a free country and it was capitalistic. That's how he set it up when he did Israel. And the founders of our country, in particular, they built that model based on what they did. Okay? I think that a capitalist society is one that has a basic assumption that people are basically greedy. And it's set up to where it works because of that. Where socialism is where it is as it starts the basic premise that people are basically good. And unfortunately, people aren't basically good. They're basically greedy and they need Jesus. And that's how what I believe. And so I advocate those things. Okay. But I don't advocate them to the point where I want to alienate people. Because the truth of the matter is, is even though my advice might be valuable and might be helpful, that's not my true reality. My reality is I'm a kingdom guy. The kingdom of heaven is available to me. I'm going to live forever. And I can live in either system of government here. And in fact, my system of government, the one that I belong to, is a superior realm than the world's. And just as much as the spirit is, it's superior to the flesh. And there's a supernatural realm that we have access to, too. Heaven has actually invaded our lives. And we, the resources of heaven are at our disposal for the sake of the kingdom of God. And so I don't need to necessarily reconcile them. I don't think that they're reconcilable necessarily. I advocate peace. But in the long run, at the end of the day, my kingdom is not of this world. And I want to manifest the kingdom of heaven here on earth. I want to make that manifest. And I want to take people with me. I'm on purpose. I'm after every one of you that are listening. (laughs) Be reconciled to God. And 
become part of that kingdom. And you won't regret it because we get to live forever no matter what. Our kingdom is more superior to the kingdom of the world as much as God is more superior to the devil. Like we have it made. We can't lose. The Bible says to live is Christ and to die is gain. And to even suffer is to be counted worthy. We just can't lose. And so if the world ends up going a way that we think is not wise, I don't need to reconcile it because like Jesus said, my kingdom's not of this world. And so I have that to draw on. I can endure all things because of that reality. And God reminds me, it seems like every day we see some kind of miracle of some kind. And it just reminds me every day when you like, we have such short, I have such a short memory. I sometimes I'll like feel discouraged or something. He'll remind me. It's okay. You can't lose. Stay faithful. Keep the faith. I think you're taking a very long-term mindset in terms of how you're viewing the situation right now, because like right now it just looks very bad. Well, I've done what I can do. I pray for Trump. I've had visions. I've had intercessory dreams for Donald Trump. Okay. God has showed me how to pray for him. I've donated to the campaign because I believe in what he's doing in terms of the corruption and some things like that. I've done what I can. Uh, I've tried to win the hearts and minds of people, but not to the point where I'm going to alienate people to a more important reality. And that is the kingdom of heaven is here now. And it's being manifested even now. So what have you been able to say to people either on the left or the right who don't share that same mindset, who on the right, you have people who are saying, Donald Trump is the savior of America and he needs to be president for the next four years, no matter what. And on the left, you have people who are saying Donald Trump is basically like the Antichrist and he needs to get kicked out of office. He needs to be impeached again. He needs to have his life ruined and we need to bring in some other candidate. We don't care who. Let's pick Joe Biden. We'll put him in the presidency and he'll be able to put things on the right track, the track to progress. What I typically do is start with the cross. So I'll give you just a couple of examples. Or maybe a couple of months ago, the cable guy, he came over to fix my cable internet. And I really, normally I'm, I'll use the gifts of the Holy Spirit to introduce someone to my viewpoint. But in this case, I said, sir, what is your plan? I said, what is your plan for answering to a God for all of the sin that's in your life? what's your plan? You have a plan. You know, God's going to judge every man according to his deeds. What's your plan? He said, I really don't have a plan. I said, well, you know why Jesus came? He said, well, I'm not, I'm not sure I do. I, so I told him that Jesus like came and died so that we don't have to be punished for our sin. And so I led him to Jesus and we start with the cross and then we go from there. I'm not super interested in changing people's short-term mindset. I'm more interested in establishing the kingdom of God. That's what I do. When we go into the chop zone and into these Black Lives Matter riots and stuff like that, we're not trying to change how they vote. We're operating in the Holy Spirit and we're calling people to repentance and to, to receive new life in Jesus. And Jesus, I figure if we catch the fish, Jesus will clean the fish, you know? That is actually a pretty good idea. Have you been able to have any powerful encounters with people who are like on the extreme far left, like people who are part of Antifa? 
have you been able to go into the danger zones of Portland where it's kind of hell in there? And have you been able to speak truth into people's lives? And what have those encounters been like? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we baptized a transvestite security guard for Black Lives Matter in the CHOP zone in Seattle, baptized him after he came to Christ. We had like 10 baptisms publicly in the CHOP zone. And that's just the baptisms. Probably 100 people received Jesus, and we saw probably 100 or 200 miracles. And as far as people on the far left and people who don't know God, they don't know Jesus, man, the Holy Spirit is so quick to show off for them. It don't matter what subject you're talking about. He'll change any subject to talk about the redemption in Jesus. He is so all about Jesus receiving the reward for his suffering. And honestly, we don't have the power to like make someone repent and receive Jesus. The Holy Spirit does the convicting. We simply offer the gospel as a declaration. We're not even trying to really reason with people we're operating here's a declaration this is what god has done would you would you like to receive this and the holy spirit convicts those people the people that he's prepared ahead of time and some of them accept our message and it doesn't seem to matter how dark the environment is or how bright the environment is because our kingdom is is a superior kingdom in every way so we can go into the darkest of dark areas and see fruit because the Holy Spirit goes with us and he does the convicting and he's even prepared the hearts of people ahead of time. And let me say this, this is like super, super key in that environment. It's so important to pray ahead of time. Like we can get some fruit if we go there and operate in our gifting and stuff like that. But if we ask the Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, would you help us find a divine appointment? We're after the people that you've already prepared. Would you lead us to them so that we can uh, bear fruit that will last? Man, he always shows up and does it. All we got to do is go. If we go and bring him with us and tell him we're on purpose, this is what we're going after. Help us do this thing. He will come and he'll give us the boldness that we need. He'll perform miracle signs and wonders to establish the message that we preach. And once we get that person to respond, there's a new life in them. And the Holy Spirit can possess that person and can speak truth into their heart and start the sanctification process. Just like you and me, you know. Heck, I was a Christian 27 years before I finally broke free of pornography. You were a Christian a long time, too. And, you know, it's a process for these guys. And we've had people get saved and, and continue rioting and slowly they just their interests changed you know and it's not that we didn't want them to be out riding but we let the holy spirit be the holy spirit and offer up what we think and just do it in such a way that we love them and love each other and and god does his thing would you be able to go into any specific examples of people who've been saved and then kept rioting and then have just realized it's not actually bringing any good change either in their lives or in the lives of other people they're trying to influence. Yeah, there's a couple of guys, a, a guy named Victor that was this from Chicago is the first one that comes to mind. He was saved up in the chop zone and became friends with some of the younger people on our team. And the fire left him. You know, his parents were professional protesters and he just kind of followed in that way and just didn't know the gospel. And he responded to it. I, I don't, man, I'm going to tell you something like in these protests, these guys, I don't see for the most part, Antifa is a little bit different than BLM. 
but I don't see a resistance necessarily to the gospel. I find humility towards the message, a greater humility than I find in the conservative church, if I'm honest. And I'm a conservative person, so I feel like I am being fair. They seem more humble about these things than the conservatives do, if, if I'm being perfectly honest. Humble about their own sin nature and the brokenness of yeah. the world? Yeah, not just that, but like being approachable with the gospel, giving you their time to hear what you have to say, you know, being open-minded to what Holy Spirit is doing. Like when Holy Spirit is manifesting, they're open to it. Whereas I find that a lot of conservatives, they're so afraid that it may not be God or they've been feeding on information so long. Their version of God is information and not relationship and life in the spirit in Christ, you know. Bible says that those who follow the spirit are the sons of God. That's something that I had to come to grips with, you know, a few years ago when God started moving in my life really hard is that I wasn't operating in the spirit. I was operating in the flesh, just going after information, you know? I think my impression of people from Antifa have been like that they've been brainwashed and that they're desperate young souls looking for a purpose in life. And this is the best thing that they've been able to stumble across. The idea that they're fighting for the destruction of racism, they're fighting for the establishment of equality, and they're just doing it in a way that's kind of evil. I think for myself, it can be very easy to just write those people off as evil. I personally don't want to do that. Yeah, I don't think that's helpful. I mean, they do a lot of times, there's a lot of demons there, but there's different types of demons in the religious right, you know, they're just different demons sons of the same father just different demons (laughs) at the same time though like i barely know anyone from antifa and it can be hard to sort of make that connection of like hey i love you i want to share this good news with you would you be willing to hear me out the closest i have to a connection with someone like that is a friend of mine from scotland he is a very open antifa supporter He's made posts on social media saying stuff like, I denounce white supremacy. If you're a white supremacist, I don't want to have anything to do with you. We need to go out and we need to bring about physical harm to people who consider themselves Nazis. And in my mind, I'm sort of thinking to myself, first of all, how many Nazis do you actually know? Secondly, do you realize how much of a goldmine that you have if you know this many Nazis where you could potentially have a positive influence in their life and you can try and inspire them to change their nasty and horrid ways. But third of all, even if you are willing to go ahead and socially ostracize people from your life because you see them as evil and you don't agree with their politics, as much as I don't agree with that position, I still have to show love to you, but I I can't do it in person. I can't do it on a daily consistent basis because he's in Scotland and I'm here in Canada. And the most I can do is just comment on his Facebook posts from time to time. Yeah. Well, you know, you got to like do what you can do with the influence you got. You got people up there and you know, you're doing your thing and we're doing ours. You mentioned that there were demons afflicting those on the left, demons afflicting those on the right. By any chance, did those demons who were influencing people on the right, did they give people on the right false prophecies to give about how Trump was going to be winning a re-election? No, no, not at all. In fact, most of the times they avoid prophecy altogether, guys that are operating in that. 
typically that type of a mindset, it's just information, you know? I mean, a lot of them know the Bible real well. And when the Holy Spirit manifests in any kind of like tangible way in the room, all of a sudden things get kind of uncomfortable because they're like, what spirit is this? I don't know what this is all about. You know, it's just been uncomfortable because they're not familiar with what the Holy Spirit does. It'd be like you inviting a, a Dutch Reformed guy into one of your Pentecostal services when the Holy Spirit's manifesting. All of a sudden, that guy's got this look on his face like, what, what's happening in here? And he's thinking it's all demonic, you know, but it's not. It's God. And the, the enemy has confused him into thinking that God doesn't operate in the world anymore. He just kind of made it and walked away a long time ago. It's simply not the case. God loves people. He loves us. And he's actively engaged with people and wants to manifest. And he's a spirit. And he's left us here to be the mouthpiece, but he manifests too. And he wants to encounter people and have people encounter him. So if the right isn't afflicted by those kinds of demons, would you say it's more demons of just doubt and legalism? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Religious spirit for sure is legalism. Dead works, jealousy. Those are the types of things that manifest in that mindset. I can tell you because I've been involved in it for a long time. I still feel it sometimes, you know, uh, the orphan spirit is a good example, like false humility, operating in false humility with an orphan spirit, just like not feeling like you're good enough and being proud because you're actually humble. <laughs> it's false humility. It's like being proud about being humble. If, if you understand what I'm saying. I think I can. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I get those feelings all the time of just like, oh, hey. I've gone 100 days without looking at pornography. Look at me. Look at me. I'm so special. I'm so good in the eyes of God. And then I say to myself, no, Nathan, you can't think that way. You can't boast in your own righteousness when the only reason why you've been able to get this far is because God has arranged the circumstances in your life to allow you to get to this point. Right. It's grace. So what about spirits of false prophecy because there's a story in i believe the book of kings i i don't remember if it's first kings or second kings but in that story king ahab and king jehoshaphat are both planning an assault on their enemies and jehoshaphat says hey why don't we call some prophets over and get them to prophesy over us and tell us how the battle's going to go you know, just so that we don't go into a war where we end up losing. And that's what they do. You have these prophets who say that the war is going to be won. There's going to be a great victory. Ahab and Jehoshaphat are going to triumph over their enemies. And then they bring in this prophet whose name, I, it currently escapes my attention, but he just goes on to say, Ahab, you're going to die in this battle. You're not going to make it out. And in response, Ahab sends him to prison. Another prophet mocks this guy because he's like, why do you think God gave you this particular word? Like, doesn't he speak to me also? And the prophet who did give the negative prophecy says basically, well, God, he put out this lying spirit, I believe. And it's for the sake of confounding the false prophets. More than that, I mean, God, he said, what am I going to do in that instance? said, how will we accomplish what we want to accomplish? And then a, a lying spirit came up and said, well, I can go and tell him this. And God said, okay, my people will believe you. 
So God allowed that lying spirit to sound like him and to fool God's purpose. God allowed that. And my strategy against that, I pray, this is something I pray with regularity, Nathan. I ask God, I say, God, I know that there are lying spirits that can accomplish your purposes in the earth. And I know that there are people that listen to lying spirits. And I'm sure that I've listened to lying spirits before too, but I'm asking you to exempt me from believing them. So even if the whole world believes a lying spirit, I'm asking you to be exempt from believing that lie. I only want to hear from you. And that's what I do. I do that with regularity. And I do think that that helps, that matters. You know, I think that God honors that, but it can be a very lonely life. Sometimes if you're not going along, like God's never told me that Trump is going to operate in a second term. I saw something a little bit different than that. And so I don't want to judge what other people heard from God or if it was a lying spirit or whatever, but that's not what he's told me. And so I'm not advocating that. And I haven't advocated. I haven't told anybody that Trump's getting a second term because that's not what God has shown me. God has shown me something different than that. So I'm not discounting that the fact that these guys have a more established walk with God than even I do or other people that I know, but I could just say that that it just isn't what God has shown me. So I'm not going to like advance that word, but there are lying spirits. I believe lying spirits are even out there today. They're all over the, and we really need to have fellowship with God and tell him that we, according, you know, the Bible says in the book of John chapter 10, that my sheep hear my voice and they won't follow anybody else. And so to the most a man can hold God accountable to something, I remind him of that promise all the time with regularity and tell him that I don't want to be part of any lying spirits. I don't want to come under their influence. So I asked him, I asked my daddy not to let me hear it and believe it. That's admirable. I think you should do that too. <laughs> I think everyone should do that. Would you care to share what God has revealed to you if he hasn't revealed to you that Trump is going to have a second term or is that something Man, that you want to keep private? Yeah. I mean, it's like, I feel like he's trusted me with his heart in that. And I'll just say this before I would want to share what he showed me. I would want to tell you what I understand about the prophetic. So I believe that God can show you things and the things that he shows you sometimes are just things that you're supposed to pray about like pray into. He has an intercessor. He's been training me in intercession to a degree. And I believe that he shows us things that we're supposed to pray against, such as that elephant thing. I thought that that was just something I was supposed to pray against. Turns out it was confirmation for sowing into a ministry and being involved in the future in that particular ministry. But in this case, the only thing I really want to share is the last part of it. I saw the president issue a letter of resignation, looked like a letter of resignation was slipped into a tree who had beautiful branches and the leaves were in the form of crosses. So it looked to me like he was kind of like resigning. That's what it felt like in my spirit is that he was like giving up the fight is what it looked like. It, ever since then, I think that was back in September. I've been praying ever since then that God would encourage him. So that's how I felt I was supposed to operate. There was other things he showed me that are personal and I don't want to share those, but that's what I saw. Fair enough. When you're talking with people who don't have a framework for this idea of prophecy, whether it's people in Antifa or people on the right who are like Dutch reformed, do you go full on and just say, hey, this is it, this is the weirdness, or do you just... I don't have a passion to have other people believe the way I believe, but what I do do, if I hear something from God for them. I, I share that because the Bible says that's what its purpose is. 
is to open their hearts up. And even more often than that, I like words of knowledge for pain that people get because I carry the gift of healing. And I find that to be a very good conversation starter with different people. And by the way, it has not manifested very often for me for people on the right, but it has for people on the left and Antifa and stuff like that in particular. So people that are God's own children, it's such a fight to get anything. I've got, you know, I, I've had healings and stuff, but it isn't like that 95% healing ratio we get with, you know, lost people. Do you feel like you can understand both sides? I know that you describe yourself as a conservative, mm-hmm. but you're also living in a fairly liberal vicinity. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming growing up, you might have been liberal yourself. No, um, I didn't know what to think until I turned 21. I went to Bible college. I got saved and went to Bible college, and it was a conservative Bible college. And I let that kind of taint me. I went to one of Billy Graham's training sessions right after I got saved and was in Bible college. And my big deal back then was to make sure that the church is united. So I operated in such a way that I just kind of like accepted anybody that was like in the body of Christ. I didn't like confront them on how they believe about that kind of thing and left it alone. And there was a lot of people that were in my Bible college, there were people that were criticizing and making fun of that, which was happening in the Toronto revival and stuff. And I didn't know enough about the Lord. I didn't know enough about the Bible at that time to feel like I could offer anything that would be helpful into the conversation. And so it looked to me like a point of division. So I stayed away from it. And I mean, I probably would have changed the trajectory of my life had I paid more attention back then to the things of the spirit. But one thing I did do was I leaned into the Bible and became a a person who knows the word of God. And so that's probably one of the things that's held me within the confines of orthodoxy now that I do operate in the spirit you know I can it's not hard for me to discern when something goes outside the rails of what's up because you know I have that word living inside me and the things of the spirit are held accountable to the word of God yeah if I might ask over the last couple of days there's been a spirit of retribution that I see that's been brewing over in your capital city yeah Mm mm-hmm and everywhere else too everywhere else to be honest man like i'm concerned about you you should Um, be yeah it's a dangerous time to be a trump supporter public trump supporter yeah i've seen reports of banks canceling associations with certain individuals parlor got taken down and it's going to come back up i guarantee you it's going to come back up but it sort of gives you the understanding that it's not really welcome. It's not the right Right. social media app to use. Yeah. Listen, if you or anybody that is interested in the prophetic want to see a really accurate word that predicted where exactly we are right now, go back to 2000. And I think it was 2019. It was Benny Hinn came to Portland and the Holy Spirit showed up and just blew up. It's on Facebook. I could look it up to tell you the dates of it to look up or maybe even send a link to you. But he told he talked about exactly what's happening right now at that time. I mean, nailed it. It was a really strong prophetic word that really describes what we're going through right now. And I'm super impressed looking back at that word. Yes, definitely. Please send the link after we're done recording. But what do you think for yourself? What do you think is your game plan going into the future of like, how do you plan on dealing with all of the craziness and potential persecution that might be coming your way? It's the favor of God. 
uh, we operate in the favor of God. So what I do, the Bible says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. I believe that the persecution that's coming, it, it, it's real, it's physical. But I also believe that the persecution that uh, is upon us is a financial one being excluded from the marketplace. You know, even Revelation talks about those who don't take the mark will be, and I'm not saying that that's where we're at, but that's a strategy of the enemy is to take you out of the marketplace. And in the United States, if you're not in the marketplace, you're not much, you know, but you know, I'm just going to give you my advice as a kingdom citizen. And I've operated in this even when I had a religious mindset. The Bible says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And so when I make business decisions, when I have people in my place of business operating, what my motivation is, is to give them God, to give everybody every bit of God and every bit of goodness and operate for their benefit the best possible, and then allow God to give you favor. So like you wouldn't believe the amount of people that come into my business and they don't ask about pricing and stuff like that. They just give themselves away to you and you operate in that favor as you're giving yourself away to others. And so my plan going forward is to continue doing what I have been doing for the last 30 years. And that's to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to me. I'm going to operate in the favor of God. And I don't think it's going to be easy. The Lord's told me, oh, it's been some months now, but he said that like, there's going to be some very difficult things coming. He said, every point you'll be challenged in every way. Do you think your family is ready for this? Everybody has the grace to deal with God's will. So again, to live is Christ, to die is gain, and to suffer is to be counted worthy to suffer. We're in a no-lose situation. So if they're not ready, it's time to change some mindsets we're going to need to adjust our mindsets and align with God and things are going to be okay. Okay. You mentioned to me last night that you were planning on taking a trip to Florida for a couple of months. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. Yeah. So Christ for All Nations is led by evangelist Daniel Kalinda and Daniel Kalinda is the successor of Reinhard Bonnke. Reinhard Bonnke is an East German evangelist or was an East German evangelist that was saved when he was very young. And God told him when he was very young that he's going to go to Africa and preach the gospel. And he did. And Reinhard Bonnke was very successful in Africa. Many, many millions of people have been saved through his ministry. And he has a mantle. In other words, God has set him aside to see great salvation in Africa. Well, God also promised him America, that he would be part of a, a great awakening in America. And Reinhard Bonnke died before he was able to see that. But his ministry continues, and I'm going to join that ministry. This coming week, I will begin training there for 10 weeks. And after that, we are going to be rolling out evangelism methodologies that have been operated in Africa for the last you know, 30, 40 years. We're going to be doing those things here. Are you going to be going to Africa? Can't say for sure. My, my heart is for this place. I want to pull their mantle into this place and have those resources connected with the local body of Christ here. But the Lord has told me that I'll be going up and down the I-5, so into California. And I suspect that I'll have some work in Orlando as well, because I'll be there and I'm an intern on their gospel truck program. How does it feel to be doing this so late in your life? Scary. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I trust God. I really do. And I think my wife may trust him more than me. 
because she's like in control of how they're going to be operating when I'm gone. But I have, I feel like waves of contentment and his presence. And then a wave of fear will come and I'll have to deal with that fear or maybe a fence. You know, I'll start seeing a lot of young believers operating in jealousy. And so um, I'll feel offended by it and I'll tell the Lord, yeah, I don't want that. And have to somehow get him to take that away from me. And just, you know, I'm just, it's just like when you're young, being old is no different than being young. You're struggling with the same things, dealing with the flesh, the world, and the devil, and overcoming it through, you know, the power of God that lives inside you. Do you think we'll still have a chance to meet up in Kansas City come June? I think so. I hope so. I don't know what's going to happen in the future of COVID. I don't, you know, one of the things I'm sensing is that COVID's not going to get better. It's going to get quite a bit worse. Even with the vaccine? Yeah. And some other things too. We've got some challenges coming ahead. We'll see what's up for international travel in the future. We'll, we'll see. Hopefully everything will be okay and we'll, we'll see what's up. What kind of difficulties are you foreseeing? Birth pains. Jesus said that, that you know, in those days, there's going to be like birth pains, famines, wars and rumors of wars, those types of things, the types of things Jesus talked about in the context of his spirit being poured out on all flesh, you know? What's Isaiah say that there's a deep darkness that descends on people, but when that comes that the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against it and he'll pour his spirit out on all flesh and where the enemy's there, God shows up too and God shows up in a greater way, but you know, we'll see. We'll have to see. Yeah. I mean, I can only tell you what God has told me. I write down everything he tells me, but he's only told me that it's going to be difficult. I'm storing some extra things that I normally would just for, because of interruptions we've, and part of that's wisdom, but part of that I've, there's, I've seen a couple of things that makes me think that's a good idea, but it's not hard for Antifa or anybody else to go and dig a crater on the I-5 and interrupt all the supply chains for food or fuel and those types of things. So we probably need to be just a little more wise about like how to operate with lack we're used to having an abundance here. Well, you know, once you embrace your limitations, you can do some pretty effective things, right? Yeah, I think that you are an authority on that. You kind of have a minimalist mindset on different things. You could probably teach us some things. Yeah, maybe I can. I think that's everything that I have to ask. Before we go, is there anything that you want to recommend? Any books, any I just want to pray. Okay, sure. Let me pray for everybody that hears this now or hears it in the future. I release a blessing on you in the name of Jesus. I just release dreams and visions on you in an increased and accelerated way. I pray in the name of Jesus that each of you would value the voice of God, that it would be the most important thing in your life, that you could hear the God you're going to spend an eternity with or separated from and operate um, in your best, live your best life. In Jesus' name, God will help you live your best life through the power of the Holy Spirit. He loves you. He is for you. God is for you, and he loves you, and he wants you to draw close. He says, the Lord says that you can boldly enter his throne room. That is such a great privilege that we can actually abide in the presence of God with the finished work of Jesus, having uh, his blood shed for us and washing our sins away, 
we have been made right with God and we can have a relationship with the Almighty. Don't ever let that become just words to you. Let that go from here to your heart and live that. It is so beautiful to live in a way that you are operating from the presence of God. So I release that on you. In the name of Jesus, anything, I, I just, Lord, I pray that you would open up everybody's eyes or the eyes of their hearts, that they may see in me something that they can use in their own ministry. It's some kind of any breakthrough that I've received, any impartation, mantles, anything that they could use in their own ministries. Lord, I pray that you would release that on them and that they would be able to operate in increased fruitfulness in Jesus' name. That's what I would say. Amen. 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 See you guys. Thank you for coming on. This has been Because We're Not the Same, a podcast hosted, produced, and edited by Nathan Raymond Ray, with special guest Jamie Newman. To listen to more episodes, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Verbal, iHeartRadio, or Podbean. You can also visit our Facebook page or our website, bwntscast.wordpress.com. If you're interested in coming on the show as a guest, feel free to reach out to us and we'll see about having you on. Thank you for listening.